I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This episode of Another Happy Pod is going to contain spoilers. If you have not experienced the content yourself, then please go ahead and do so before coming back and listening to us ramble on about it. Thank you very much. Another happy pod. Hello and welcome to another happy pod. Uh, we are again joined by Nathan. Nathan, say hello. <laughs> hello. Uh, yes, we are joined by Nathan. So hello, everyone. Uh, we're also joined by Lawrence. So say hello. Hello, everyone. Uh, today we're going to be talking about Birds of Prey. And again, this is the podcast where we try and keep it a bit light and breezy and we try and uh, focus on the positive stuff. Uh, but that's not too difficult with this movie. I, I'm quite a big fan of this movie. Nathan, you've... I think you've just finished watching it, haven't you? So the plan was, um, originally the plan was that we was going to watch something else, uh, but that changed sort of at the last minute. Um, and yeah, we decided that we were going to watch Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn to give it its full title. Um, yeah, but like at the last minute, like I just said, Lawrence changed it because he's a moron. Um <laughs> <laughs> and I and to be I'm also a moron because to be honest I completely forgot I don't, I got too caught up playing video games and then I woke up this morning and I realized oh my god we're recording in two hours and I haven't even watched the movie last time I saw it was in February when it came out in the cinema well, you um, managed you managed to pinpoint the time pretty well so you managed to get it so so that you had exactly the right amount of time before we started recording to watch the I movie. did I looked it up on Amazon Prime and it said like runtime one hour forty nine minutes I was like oh yes perfect I can just squeeze this in so literally the end credits started rolling about five minutes ago so this is fresh off the dome for me mate wowie okay well mine like i say i watched mine i was going to rewatch this uh, i instead watched a recap because i did watch this about less than a month ago so it's still very fresh <laughs> in my mind and i thought if i watched it again it would i might grow tired of it and i don't want to do that so all right fair enough okay so nathan um obviously this the main thing this had kind of going for it is it's the second time we get to see Margot Robbie uh, playing Harley Quinn. What did you What did you think about the Suicide Squad version versus this version? Uh, so I have a lot of thoughts on that. Um, now, 
uh, and I, th- I think I should first preface this by saying Harley Quinn, and and I don't know for sure, I don't know for certain, but I'm pretty sure that Harley Quinn is my favorite comic book character of all time. Okay, okay, and so going into Suicide Squad, I was really excited to finally see her on the big screen because uh, she she it hadn't been done before. There was only uh, the animated series for Batman and then video games, but that was really it. She hadn't really crossed over. Well, she she was introduced. She was introduced in the Batman animated show, right? She wasn't a comic character before that. Yeah, yeah, that's where she was created. Yeah, she was a original character from that show, and she was such a big hit that they put her in the comic books, and now she's one of the greatest comic book characters ever. Um, but yeah, that was her movie debut essentially the suicide squad and i was really excited um and look this is another happy pod we try to be positive we try to see the yeah the better side of movies and and i will say that margot robbie as harley quinn was was great in that movie she she did a great job i think she got the interpretation of the character right (laughs) I, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna cut around the fluff because I think that there is a way we can loophole this. So we are another happy pod, and I feel like we have to be happy about the films that we're talking about. However, we're not currently discussing the Suicide Squad, so I I'm gonna go ahead and say that it's garbage. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I I was I, w- I was gonna say Margot Robbie's Margot Robbie's characterization and Margot Robbie's acting in that movie was great. She did a great job. She was just let down by yeah. the writing and the direction of the movie, because yeah, it's so evident when you watch even just watch the trailer for Suicide Squad and then watch the trailer for Birds of Prey. It's so evident that one was directed by a creepy old man and one was directed by a woman, because it's just it. I'm so glad you said that. I'm so glad you said that because literally in the first thing I wrote in my notes was the difference between a man directing this character and a woman directing this character is painfully evident. Like it's it's crystal clear. Yeah, it is just night and day. Yeah, like because Harley Quinn in, and again, she's great. I love her in that movie. But again, it's just it's like 95 percent ass shots. It's just weird one-liners about sex sexual desires it's just everything about it is just male fantasy of what harley quinn and and i just remember watching that in the cinema and just being i don't like this Uh, do you remember do you remember that was the one year where everyone dressed up as harley quinn as well like you couldn't go to any halloween party without seeing the joker and harley quinn somewhere you couldn't i think i think that was the year we had a halloween party and we put an official ban um on harley quinn and joker costumes ah we did Um, yeah to be fair there was that um there was the moment in the david a one i think they even put it in the um in the trailer where harley quinn is like just changing and she's in her underwear and then like every single man on this like military base as if they haven't got very important jobs to do just stop to see a woman in her bra because presumably they've never seen it before and it's just so cringy like it just it looks it, so it is, weird. It's creepy yeah. as well. It's just really like fair enough. Yeah, she's a very attractive woman. It's Margot Robbie, but everyone just stopping what they're doing and staring at a woman who is just putting on a t-shirt. Yeah, so I mean, it's a bra. <laughs> it's not even that sexual. No, it's a no. bra. <laughs> it's it's just it's literally just a bra. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> like, have you not seen a woman in a bra before? Probably not, David Ayer. But there we go. I think a lot of the people that watched Suicide Squad and came out of it thinking it was a good movie probably haven't. And that's that's where I'll leave that. Um, so we, we've spoken a little bit about Harley Quinn. With regards to the actual Birds of Prey, what did you what did you think about them in this movie? Oh, my God. All right, I'll just, I just, I just circle back. Because, um, again, I, I said what I said about about Harley and Suicide Squad. I just want to focus it briefly on in Birds of Prey. Oh, yeah. Um, again, night and day difference. Okay. Um, this, what I absolutely love about this movie is the fact that you can tell that she's actually a psychologist that she actually went to school, that she actually went to medical school, that she actually got her degree. Because there's moments like in the movie where she's giving like Cassandra Cain and uh, Huntress like actual psychological medical advice. And you're like, oh yeah, you, you actually know what you're talking about. You're not just some insane clown. You you actually know your shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, so she's actually a more fully rounded and fully formed character. It's not just a eye candy essentially she's at she's yeah she's not she's not there to be a, like a walking sex doll exactly yeah she's, she's there to actually protagonist the movie she knows what she's talking about and those fight scenes as well which i'm sure we'll get to are just incredible as well oh they're very i've got a lot to say on those fight scenes so i'm glad you've mentioned them as well so obviously we we've spoken a lot about harley quinn and Margot Robbie's characterization of her and the difference in those two movies. But obviously, she's not the only, you know, she's not really the only protagonist in this movie. There's the actual Birds of Prey. Um, what did you think about them? Uh, I like the Birds of Prey for the most part. Um, I think overall, this movie was kind of let down in the in the marketing for it because because it was sold well the name of it is birds of prey um the movie's not though it's it is mostly harley quinn and and i don't think that's a bad thing i mean like i say i love harley quinn um but they they don't really get much time to shine uh, as opposed to harley i mean yeah there's fair enough they, they get a good amount of screen time but as opposed yeah. to harley herself obviously she gets the most part and like i said i have no problem with that it's just that in the marketing um i think that's one of the points where the movie was let down well i think that's that's probably how they got around making another harley quinn movie with dc right they probably said it's a birds of prey movie you know but it, well, it, it's a Harley Quinn movie disguised as a birds of prey movie but yeah it's interesting it's interesting you say that because i had um one of the things I really, really enjoyed uh, was I like I completely agree. I think like people like Black Canary and Montoya are kind of pushed aside a little bit. But yeah. the character of Huntress, I thought was <laughs> I like I dug wrong. While I, I acknowledge that it's a Harley Quinn movie and I really liked her performance in it, Huntress was one of the highlights for me of this whole thing. I love I love Huntress. I'm glad you say that. Why was she one of the highlights for you? So basically, the, you know, the, the telling of the backstory um, yeah. was the main thing. Like I love, I loved, I don't know if it's, I, I, like, I don't know much about the comics of Birds of Prey, so I'm not sure if they ripped this straight from the page or if this was something made for the movie. But the backstory of the, um, the one of the guards, you know, her whole family being exterminated for this kind of, um, this jewel, uh, this like priceless thing. Yeah. Um, and then like one of the guards taking her in and training her up and then she finally comes back to Gotham and she's, like now trained up and basically a fully fledged assassin. Um, but the one thing I loved about it, which is something you don't really see in a lot of movies is the fact that she, she was, while she was completely badass in like every sense of the words, she just like sucked at like talking to people. Like her social skills were atrocious. Yeah. Uh, like, so she'd, she'd get across at like every single thing that someone would say to her. She had no idea how to like introduce herself. She, she, she lacked that 
I'm Huntress kind of thing to her, which was which was really funny. It's something you don't often see. Yeah, I, I, I really liked that too. That was something I was going to pick up on. Again, just someone who was like, you know, raised as an assassin from the age of like 10 or whatever, of course, they're going to be just a little bit all not there and everything like that. Um, yeah, that was great. I really enjoyed that. It was actually really funny as well at some point. Uh, in terms, oh, it was. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of like the comic books um, of Huntress, the comic book pack story, from... And, and comic books change all the time, so there could be some version of this which is entirely accurate, but from what I've read, it's a little bit different. Um, so in the Huntress stories that I've read, um, Huntress is uh, Frank Bertinelli's daughter, but he has her fiancé killed. Like, Frank Bertinelli has his daughter's fiancé killed. and oh, that. Okay. And this is like someone because I believe her her fiance was actually working with the police uh, to bring down the crime family. Um, ah. Yeah, and and that is then what causes her to go away and train and become the huntress. And in from from what I've read, she's actually usually taking revenge on her own family, going after her dad and trying to bring down the crime organization. Uh, I kind of like that they changed it to this, though. I mean, again, it could be a comic book story. They change all the time, and there's lots of different interpretations. Yeah. I think that's more, this is a more organic way of doing it, though. It's a bit more clear-cut. Like, I don't think... Like, I think if they would have put too much emphasis on that she's tracking down her own family, and it's a, that kind of an emotional journey for the character, I don't think it would have done it a, a good service. Like, I feel like there's not enough time in this movie given to Huntress to really flesh that out. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. Like, that's a whole that's a whole movie on its own, essentially. Yeah, massive. Um, yeah, so it, it did make sense that they changed it. Yeah. Um, and and it is definitely for the better. I think in a movie like this, you don't you don't want her motivation to be the fact that her boyfriend was killed because that just kind of. Uh, it, the film it's, the film is about emancipation. Like you don't want to yeah. on a, like Harley's whole journey is like basically being seen as someone that isn't just under the Joker's thumb and can't be touched because of the bloke she's with. Um, which again was another thing I, I I really really liked about this movie. Just to sidetrack it for a second it's and i also i don't know if you noticed this the design they have for the joker in the opening animated section is nothing to do with the jared leto one no it's really not um i think i think they're doing everything in their power to make the audience forget that jared leto ever played this character <laughs> which i which i appreciate <laughs> I also appreciate that because, oh boy, I do not like that version of the Joker. <laughs> oh, it's bad. It's just bad. Yeah, it was. It was like much more like animated uh, series Joker. If anything, it was definitely a lot more comic booky than some weird guy with tattoos. But yeah, I'm. I, that's that's a change I'm okay with. Whatever, just get him out of the universe. Yeah. Um. You spoke about the fight, like the fighting scenes, that the action segments of this. Uh, what? What stood out to you? Because you brought it up, so I'll touch with you. Uh, well, definitely the the sort of like prison break sequence. I, it's not really a prison break sequence, but you know what I mean. Um, there's the jail cell brawl. Um, yeah, I know the bit you mean. Yeah, that's just that is just a, a great sequence. Uh, first of all, you have just Harley going in there with what seems like a, a paint cannon, like a beanbag <laughs> cannon. Yeah. 
but still managing to you know mess everything up and deal a lot of damage to these to these cobs um but then i i I thought that was really interesting because what what i really really liked about that was the she's obviously gone in and she doesn't want to massacre like she's not gone in to kill all the police in the room for just being there and doing their jobs which i liked but she I think she inadvertently must have killed like at least three of them, like just through <laughs> just through the damage she unleashes. Like this, she she jumps on a guy's leg, even if he's not like lying there, like he's he's paralyzed. Oh, she she's caused some damage. Like, he, like he's never working again. I mean, she already paralyzed someone else earlier in the movie, like that driver guy when she just jumped on oh, his legs. That was clean out of like that. There may as well have been bone on the floor at that point. That <laughs> really? was ridiculous. Yeah, that was brutal. Um, yeah, what I also liked about the fight as well, uh, the moment where they're being chased through like the evidence locker, and then um, she's hiding behind the cocaine, and the guys just unload rounds of ammo into the co- into the cocaine, oh. <laughs> and then she essentially uses that as fuel. Like she gets high and essentially uses that as fuel to just beat the sh- out of the other guys, and it's. It's just great. You see the moment, then, because she kind of looks around her, and then she just kind of really deeply inhales, and then you see her eyes kind of ping open, and it's like, <laughs> oh, oh, geez, now we're going. I, I don't know if you noticed this. I don't know if I'm looking too far into it as well. I kind of thought that there was, like, a mixture of brutal fight choreography. Like, the hand-to-hand combat stuff was, like, brutal. Yeah. But there was also kind of a fresh mix of, like, cartoonish expressions on people's faces. Like... I don't know if that's like they're harkening back to the fact that she is kind of raised out of an animated series and her most iterations of this character have been animated. But if you, every time someone gets punched in the face, they do like this kind of either like a 360 spin with like a big wide open mouth or like they just basically react in a way that no normal human being would if they were punched in the face. I don't know if you picked up on that or if it's just me. I didn't actually, to be honest with you. I, I think though, I think what that is more than anything is just the fact that uh over the years um and a lot of people kind of have a problem with this i'm mostly okay with it but over the years harley has become more uh deadpool-esque and that's kind of evident in this movie as well yeah um there's like a lot of fourth wall break and there's the narration all the way through it by harley and everything like that um and i and i just think it's a little bit of a a little bit of a nod to that where it's just yeah it is this like brutal fighting style and it is like based in in reality but there's also just an element to it that's just a little bit heightened just a little bit cartoonish um and just having fun with it really i think that's what that is more than anything yeah i don't know though i could be wrong no no no, that's fair um so one thing uh that i kind of noticed uh was how tonally different this film was and i don't just mean in the sense that like what they put in front of the camera and kind of like the color grading and all of that like we, we've we've spoken about this in the past. The look of Gotham changes to fit whatever tone of the story you're telling, even if it's in the same universe. Yeah, it really does. Movie to movie, that city changes. Oh, it does. These people must have, like, the, the, I just feel bad for the ordinary people that live in Gotham because they're just, <laughs> like, it's constantly changing. I feel like what must happen is that, like, they go from, uh, they go from, like, Birds of Prey to where it's basically just New York. And it's like just a yeah. normal bog standard New York. And then they go to, I don't know, say Man of Steel is next down the line. And it's like the bin men have stopped doing their jobs. It's dirty. It's grimy. Like, yeah, uh, it's just, oh, it's disgusting. But yeah, what did you think about 
Um, what did you think about the look of Gotham in this? And do you think it worked? Uh, for the... Okay, so Gotham, like you said, for the most part, it's just basically New York City. So that that's kind of... That's kind of the one of the one of the things I don't like about about movie adaptations, um, and I, and I think I said this to you when when I saw Joker as well. One of the things I didn't like about that movie is that Gotham was just literally New York. It it was literally just New York, and but they had just changed the name. There was there was absolutely nothing about that city yeah. that was Gotham esque. The uh, Birds of Prey is a little bit different for the most part. Yeah, it it was just basically New York, but then when you get towards the third act. When they go to amusement oh, yeah. mile, and then things become a little bit more fantastical, a little bit darker, uh, and then on Founders Pier as well, like th- that's Gotham. Gotham is this crazy, weird, cartoonish city with ridiculously tall buildings and giant carnivals with big clowns all over the place. It's terrifying place to be. Yeah, that is Gotham, and and that part I liked, but the yeah for the most part. It is just New York. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I feel like that's... Yeah, it's a good point, because I'm just thinking about it now. Do you feel like that kind of detracts from it a little bit? Because I feel like, now that you've kind of mentioned it... I mean, I suppose I don't notice it in the movie, which is a good thing. But, yeah, do, do, do you feel like that would detract from it a little bit? Because it, it it vastly changes. It becomes very, very different. Like the the amusement mile to the normal kind of city i think i think i see what you're saying uh i think it works though because it's not like it's not like the city itself suddenly changes it's like one very specific part of the city like if they had just suddenly gone downtown and then it was suddenly this giant square with huge gothic architecture and everything like that (laughs) then yeah that would have been like a big hard to turn yeah but it's like more on like the outskirts of the city. It's more you you can easily just say it's like you know just somewhere outside of town or whatever. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that that that's not too much of an issue for me, really. Okay. No, fair enough. Um, with the uh, with the villain, I I will let oh you talk on this because oh my God. I know how much you adore this performance. Oh my God, you and McGregor is. One of the greatest actors ever, and oh, <laughs> he is—he first of all, he's just so good in this movie, and clearly so so very gay as well. Oh, he's so and gay. I, he is so gay. Him and Victor Zaz are clearly having some kind of relationship, which I absolutely loved. I'm all for that. They are they are straight up kissing. <laughs> they really are. Behind closed doors, there's some kissing involved. There's one moment which I, I absolutely love. It just made me laugh so much. It's when uh, D- uh, Dinah, Dina, uh, comes to... Uh, comes to essentially work for for black mask and um he's given her like the tour of of all his stuff all his treasures and everything like that and he's got those shrunken heads those like ancient shrunken heads oh, yeah. and he just says the line like it's so weird they're just weird shrunken heads in my living room it's so gross yeah oh yeah no <laughs> he's brilliant that so but much. he's that's the one of my favorite things about you mcgregor just as an actor in general is the fact that i don't think he's ever phoned in a performance like you can so tell he's having the time of his life. No matter what that, no matter what it is, he will give a hundred and ten percent of himself to that role. Yeah, and 
he, he definitely did that here. He is just so good in this movie. I also really liked Victor Zaz as well. I loved... It's it's a little bit different from what Victor Zaz usually is. I mean, Zaz is usually this, like, um, psychopathic uh, serial killer who just destroys himself and cuts his body every time he kills someone. And there's a little bit of that. You see his scars in this movie. But, like, he's a lot more toned down in this movie from how he usually is. I think he's in Batman Begins, actually. I might be wrong there, but I think he's in Batman Begins. I think in this movie he's very much like... He, he, you can see that he is that guy. You can tell that he is this kind of, like, psychopath, but at the same time, he's he's very much so like a dog on a lead, and and he's only let off that lead when Black Mask wants him to be off that lead, if that makes sense. Yeah. He's very, like... He's basically, like... He'll stand there and just wait for the kill order, and when he gets it, he'll have his fun. He's he's also... I, I get what you're saying. He is kind of like a dog on lead, but it, also he also, like, feeds the anger of Black Mask as well, though, because, like, there's the moment in the nightclub um, where where there's that woman who's just laughing very loudly, and then uh, Hugh McGregor, he takes offence to that, and he's like, is she laughing at me? And Vixas as just leans in his ear and goes, she is. Yeah, she's laughing at you. Yeah, then, he's just he's kind of there to cause the anarchy part of it, isn't he? The, the way I thought, thought of it is, like, he was essentially Harley to his Joker, essentially. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it, actually, yeah. Yeah, they work well together, though. They were a really, really good pair. And also, he he may have, like, been kind of cartoonish and very camp and over the top, which, which absolutely worked for him, but he was also brutal and terrifying as well, though. Like, again, that moment where he makes the woman in the club stand up on the table and and just dance in front of everyone it's it's creepy and it's it is really scary oh, as it's well disgusting like, yeah you see you kind of no yeah you can tell that he's like like he's like to everyone he's like the friendly kind of club owner but everyone in that club is scared of him and then that's the moment where you really see why and i think that that comes quite late into the movie like you've had quite a few scenes with him at this point where like he's doing yeah. a lot worse like physically he's like killing people murdering people laughing yeah. at people dying and then that's the scene where you kind of go oh and i think that's only kind of it's it's made to be a lot bigger and you're meant to kind of take that moment especially because the film is one of the through line messages of the film is female empowerment so you need that moment where a female is kind of completely degraded to take the villain seriously which i think is really effective in the movie it, it really is um there's one moment <laughs> um, he, he, you're absolutely right uh, he does he doesn't i don't think he ever killed anyone himself though like he fired one shot and he shot um the cop i forget her name montoya yeah montoya he shot montoya but i think other than that he didn't actually ever get his hands dirty at all really well, I mean, that's why he's got Victor Zass, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. That's why he's got uh, Victor there to do his work for him. Uh, <laughs> there's one moment at the beginning where you like see Victor cutting off the faces of his victims, which, by the way, is pretty brutal, pretty intense. Um, and there's there's like the daughter or, or there's someone there, and he says he's going to let her go. He's he, you know he's he, he he's got his message across. He doesn't need to kill the girl so she can go, <laughs> whatever. But then she like has a snot bubble, and she's like, and he's just. Her. No, kill her. I've changed my mind. Just get rid of her. Yeah. Oh, that. I wrote that in my notes. I was literally going to ask you about that because that is that's the moment where for me he kind of he kind of went like I went oh this guy is bad like yeah like this guy is deranged. Um, 
hilarious but deranged and in this universe as well he seems much more menacing and threatening than the joker does granted we haven't seen a lot of the joker in this universe but from what we have seen nathan i i have a serious question to ask you oh here we go are you reading my notes right now Literally underneath the next thing I was going to bring up was me saying Black Mask is ten times more threatening than the Joker ever was or could be in this universe. I'm, I'm not reading your notes, no. But there we go. Oh, great well, minds think alike, I guess. Great yeah. minds, Nathan. Ah, oh, there we go. Oh. There's a reason why we're best friends, clearly. Oh, I love you. I love you too. <laughs> Um, okay, right. Let's. I'm gonna jump back into it. Um, the structure of this movie. How did you like it? Because it's kind of told a little bit out of time to like catch people up on different stories and like it, it's a very weird narrative structure. What did you What did you think of it? It is, and and again, I think that's kind of like Deadpool. That's one of the moments where it's it's quite Deadpool esque in the storytelling, where it's broken up and and told different uh, different points of the story at different times. Uh, but I, th- I think that works. So I, I think one of the big things about Deadpool is that if that movie was told, um, what's the word I'm looking for, where it's in time? Um, chronologically. Chronologically, yeah. If that movie was told chronologically, then I don't think it would have worked as well as it did no. if it's broken up. And I think that is the same with Birds of Prey as well. I think if it had just been straight story from start to finish chronological then uh yeah it would have just it would have just dragged a little bit at times if you break it up it's it's much better on the pace and you know you jump in back and forth um it just keeps things exciting really so again yeah that is kind of like one of the ways it's borrowing from deadpool but if you're gonna borrow borrow from something that works essentially so why not well, I think I think with both of the both of the examples being Birds of Prey and Deadpool, they both they both work in that narrative kind of non chronological order and structure because the the character is telling you the story. Like with Deadpool, it's yeah. very much so like I'm telling you the events of this kind of situation. With Harley Quinn, it's a little bit more narrative and a bit more loose, but she's very much so like still breaking the fourth wall and talking. And we're it's meant to be that she's basically speaking directly to us. Um, but they work really well because of the fact that they're those two characters minds are sporadic they're random they're always kind of thinking and they can't switch off so there'll be points where the story says something and then harley quinn realizes that you haven't heard about that character yet so she's like oh okay let me let me go back and tell you a bit more about that character like which i think really works oh yeah 100 percent. it's just the absolutely it's it's just the thing of the unreliable narrator again it's a it's a story technique used mainly in books a lot of the time, um, but more and more movies are starting to use it now, and and it's great. It definitely works. Like I said, it's just the the storyteller in this case Harley realizing along the way that oh don't know this, you don't know this piece of information, you don't know who this is. Let me catch you up. Let me let me tell you about it. And yeah, it absolutely works. It keeps the pacing fresh. It keeps it exciting. I worked for me, man. I liked it. Um. So one thing that i noticed about this movie uh for me at least uh was the ending is very weirdly abrupt um i don't know if you picked up on that as well i think it's i think it's a fitting ending but it just seems it seems very sudden like it and it asks a lot of questions and i think they deliberately kept harley quinn open-ended 
to basically see how audiences responded to this movie, whether they were willing to give the property of Harley Quinn another go around because uh, of, you know, Suicide Squad. And although I know Harley Quinn was amazing in Suicide Squad, she was one of the best parts of the movie, she was still very much so a product of people who said, oh, it's a bad movie, bad characters, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think they've kept it quite open because at the end she has the... She, I think she now runs like a like a mercenary business. She's got the business card that says bad motherfucker on it. Yeah. Uh, which is great. Uh, I like how she gets them like professionally printed as well. And they look good. Like as a business card goes, they look good. But yeah. What, so what do you think? Like if, if we were going to get another, another movie like this, probably not a birds of prey because I feel like their story's wrapped up. Um, but if we, if we're going to see what Harley does after this, where do you think it could go? Cause she's now traveling with that kid as well. Yeah, she's she seems to have like taken Cassandra under her wing, and and she even calls yeah. her a, her apprentice at one point, uh, which is definitely interesting. To be honest, I don't think we're going to see much of that though, because Harley is next showing up, as we know, in the Suicide Squad in James Gunn's The Suicide Squad, um, and we haven't seen much of that movie. We haven't seen the trailer. We've just seen like some behind the scenes footage and a little uh, stylized character introduction sheet. So we at the time of recording, we really haven't seen much of that. But it doesn't really look like they're going to reference too much of no. of what happened here much at all. Uh, I mean, well, Cassandra's not there for a start, <laughs> no, so there's something. That's kind of the way DC are going, <laughs> though. But yeah, I I definitely I definitely like to see to see more of that. I liked Cassandra Kane; she was a a really good character. Um, it'd be interesting to see if she ever does become a. Uh, Batwoman. I don't know if you know that, but Cassandra Cain is Batwoman in the comics. Yeah, I heard, I heard that she does grow up to be, um, but I didn't know if that. I I doubt that will be this iteration of the character because I don't think I don't think that's what they're doing with her. It, it seems I think they would have set that up if they were going to go down that route in the future. Yeah, possibly. I mean, I, I, it could work. There's, I mean, with this universe, this universe is changing all the time, so there really is any way they can take it essentially i think one of the things that, that the dc universe really uh does seem to have going for it now is is the fact that they're just not so beholden on what came before essentially like yeah, they, yeah they'll change if it works and they'll change it why not just go for it uh i kind of like that uh it's different to like the marvel style where it is just an ongoing story well that's that's exactly what i was going to say the last the last thing i was going to mention to you uh, was basically your thoughts on how DC is running things now because I think they tried for a very, very long time to copy Marvel and do the same thing Marvel did. But where Marvel took like five, six movies to get to the Avengers, they took like two to yeah. get to Justice League. And then obviously we all know how that did. I'm not going like, <laughs> to beat a dead horse on it. But, <laughs> um, but like I think they finally found the way that they can compete with um with marvel and that's by doing pretty much like whatever they want well yeah essentially like pretty much the exact opposite of what marvel's doing like you say they're now they're not beholden to what came before and and what is technically going on in that timeline it's just if they like the character and they need the character and the audience like the character that's the current iteration and don't need it to be recast they're just gonna do it like imagine if marvel like got up to endgame and then, uh, I don't know, realised that they wanted to recast Thor in the next movie, and then they made a Thor origin story, and then they made Spider-Man Far From Home. Like, MCU fanboys would go 
wild. Like yeah. they would hate it. They, they really and, would. And, I, and that's rightfully so. But then that's exactly what DC are doing with the new Batman. So it, and I think it works for them. They finally found their niche, which is good. Yeah, I, I think you're one hundred percent right. Uh, they definitely did stumble at the beginning in setting up this universe. They just tried to to catch up to Marvel. They just wanted the billion-dollar franchise. They just wanted to come out of the gate swinging, essentially. And that is definitely what shot them in the foot. I mean, yeah, all right. I'm not going to get into this too much, but people absolutely love the Snyder movies. Whatever. Like what you like, okay? Not my cup of tea. Go for it, all right? Um, but... Nathan, we've got to keep them open-ended so that we can explore them on the podcast. When when the Justice League comes out, we need to be neutral about this. Stop giving away our takes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a lot better now because the last few movies uh, that have come out there, I've actually really enjoyed. I mean, Shazam was was great. I absolutely loved that. Aquaman was okay. Uh, definitely a step in the right direction. Not too good, but yeah, it was fine. Um, but Birds of Prey, yeah, definitely one of the best, in my opinion. And from from what we've seen of Wonder Woman 84 as well, that looks great too. I, I'm I'm all for that. I'm all for that. And just yeah. bring f***ing Steve Trevor back. Why not? Just have him alive. I don't care. Change it. Yeah, the, the, if they need him, they need him. Yeah. Um, I, think that's, I think that's one thing DC are doing really well. They're like, one thing I'd say that, like, I think DC and Marvel right now are pretty on par with each other. I know Marvel has the, the history of the backlog of movies behind them and they yeah. have way more of a proven track record of success. But the thing that I think that DC actually has over Marvel right now is the fact that they're giving directors the properties and go and run with them because for so long the internet was screaming at dc going just let the filmmakers make the films the studios don't know how to <laughs> i think the same could be said for marvel though because for a long time like a lot of marvel movies were just the exact same though but a lot more recently uh you've had you know taika watiti ryan coogler i i agree with the smaller properties like i think when you look at like, although I don't get me wrong, I'm the first person to admit that I'm like an Infinity War and Endgame like fanboy. I love yeah. the Avengers movies. But if you look at the directors, how bearing in mind that uh, the Winter Soldier was very much a Russo Brothers movie. Yeah. Then Civil War was also a Russo Brothers movie, but they kind of lost that edge of the handheld. Um, then Infinity War and Endgame, they could have been directed by anyone else. Like they, they don't have a single aspect of the russo brothers flair to them which is which is good because that's not what those movies needed but i do think that they're bringing in directors and directors are falling more into a studio trap rather than rather than letting bringing in directors and then saying run with this do what you need to do with it it's your film okay so we we've gone a little bit off topic i'm going to stop talking about marvel versus dc but i just thought that this movie was kind of the the main dc movie that highlighted what DC are doing right, so I kind of wanted to bring it in. Um, favorite mo- uh, favorite moments from this movie, Nathan, because we're we're approaching runtime, and I kind of wanted to. We've been ending recently with our best moments from the movie, and I wanted to hear what yours were. Yeah, uh, definitely the um, the sandwich part, Harley Quinn sandwich. It's just it's absolutely ridiculous. It's stupid, but I love it. It's great. Um, everything with Roman, the Black Mask, Hugh McGregor again, just knocks it out of the park altogether. And then as well, um, a favourite moment was actually 
uh, the hyena. I actually really liked Bruce, the little hyena. I liked his little laugh that he did. That was that was quite. He was cute. good. He was yeah, good. He was cute. Also, um, the canary cry. I I really liked the canary cry. Um, Black Canary is a, a great character. She's she's explored obviously a lot more in Arrow, the TV show, and and that whole universe. But that's a, a very different interpretation of the character to what we have here. Um, and I I really liked this version. I definitely. Um, liked the little hints she got first of all throughout the movie, like when she's singing and she just cracks the glass with her voice. Uh, but then later on, the big canary cry that comes out. Love that moment, man. That was great. Yeah. No, it's good. It's good. Um, I think for me, like I said, I've already said about the Huntress, one of my favourite moments was the fact that she she was stood in the mirror looking at herself going... I'm Huntress. No, no, I can't do that. No, it's, it sounds too serious. I'm Huntress. And like she was preparing how she was like she was rehearsing to yeah. go and murder someone, which I thought was brilliant. Um another moment which I think is actually one of the most pivotal turning moments for Harley Quinn, in my opinion at least, um, is uh, I can't remember what's the name of the 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 shop owner that she Oh, uh, um, she lives on top of the guy's takeaway. Place. He calls her Lotus. I can't remember his name though. Well, that that guy. Yeah. Um, when she comes downstairs, and then uh, after there's been like multiple attempts to kill her, she comes downstairs and see that he, sees that he's like accepted the money to tell people where she was. Yeah. And now he's he's moving away because he can make like a chain of restaurants with the money he's been given. And it was that moment where like it's he was so nice to her. And he's only in about two scenes beforehand. But when he says to her, like, oh, I'm sorry, it's just business. You really, like, you, it's a great moment. You can see that she's, like, holding back tears. Yeah. And that's the moment that makes her go, oh, you know what? You're absolutely right. It's just business. I'm going to give Cassandra Kane to, to this guy. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a brilliant moment. I think it's quite a defining moment for the character as well. It, it really is, yeah. It's a moment where, like, she kind of just realizes that a lot of people in her life have for for the longest time have just been using her uh for, for their own gain essentially um and even people who she thinks liked her who pe- people thought she w- who she thought uh, were looking out for her just not the case at all again just in it for their for their own gain um yeah i really like that moment she she decides to just stand up on her own feet Again, not really going in the best way about it selling C- cassandra to to roman but you know do we gotta do but that's that's the rationale that she can see at the time. She she just wants to kind of finally use someone herself, if that makes sense. And then yeah. she realizes this is not me halfway through the process. Oh, um, yeah. The last moment that I really liked again, like there's a million moments to love in this movie. Like you say, the the kind of the heist or the uh, the siege on the police um, prison police station. Um, yeah, yeah. There's all of that kind of stuff is brilliant. But one of the moments I thought was actually really nice and a nice added feature. And again, one of the moments where you can tell it was clearly directed by a woman, um, was the inclusion, uh, you know, Montoya cracked a case and then a captain took the credit for it and made captain. Yeah. Um, and then she was kind of stuck at like, as a, like a beat cop essentially, or like a beat detective or whatever. Um, and she couldn't progress because of that. Um, and then, at the end again despite the fact that the captain had kicked her off and like done the whole like give me a badge and your gun cliche um that he took the credit again and it was finally enough to make her walk out um that was a really interesting moment for me because i thought 
I just thought uh, about it when I was watching it the last time I watched it. Um, if it was directed by a man, that would have been a massive thing. Like, oh, yeah. They would have gone to town in it. But it's just, it's so effortlessly woven in because that's something that, like, I don't know, obviously, but presumably, like, like women have to deal with. And it it was a really, it was a very nice plot inclusion that didn't feel heavy-handed but still made a very impactful point which i really enjoyed i feel like you're absolutely right i feel like if it was directed um by a bloke it would have just been this big you know slam down a file on the desk moment scream at everyone in the scream in front of everyone at the station and just say you're taking credit for my job yeah well screw this i'm out of here yeah and then yeah. walk off or something like that. Yeah, but the fact that, no, she was just packing up her desk. She was just like, you know what? No, I'm done. I don't need this. I'm better than everyone here. And then she goes and basically becomes like a vigilante outlaw kind of thing, <laughs> which I thought was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, so we're sort of coming to the end here. About time to wrap it up. Um, so, yeah, let's let's move on to our ridiculous rating system that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. <laughs> Uh, so how happy of a pod was this movie for you, Lawrence? Nathan, this was a tremendous, gleeful, joyful pod for me. Uh, I thought it was really fun, uh, a very light-hearted take on a character that I think has been beaten in the media for the last couple of years, um, and yeah. also a character that kind of has a lot, like even, like I say, with those Halloween costumes, like they were people would dress as Harley Quinn just because their boyfriend was dressing as the Joker kind of situation. Like, and it was a very nice movie to liberate the character and go, no, she's a brilliant character in her own right. And it's not always, it doesn't always have to be about the relationship with the Joker. So for me, it was a, oh, actually I'm going to change it. It was a liberating pod. <laughs> a liberating pod. Okay. <laughs> Side note, if your boyfriend dresses up as the Joker, leave that relationship. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> Um, uh, yeah this movie was a very happy pod for me whatever that means it was great I really enjoyed it I got to see uh, my favourite comic book character realised on screen exactly how she should be and not just as a walking sex object so that was great to see great action in the movie really enjoyed it so yeah it was a uh, an ecstatic gleeful uh, joyful Pod I use me. gleeful and joyful. What are you, you oh, are sorry. copying my notes. <laughs> I knew it. I knew you were looking at I've my notes. I've been exposed. <laughs> uh, okay. uh, no, this was a. It was a um, a, a dubious pod. Is that is that does that dubious mean? Dubious means know, jubilant. Like, jubilant. No, dubious means like you're you're suspicious yeah, of something. I, I changed it to jubilant though. Jubilant means happy. Yeah. So this was a very jubilant pod. Uh, for me and as always this rating system means absolutely nothing so just figure it out for yourselves and watch it if if there's one thing that another happy pod are encouraging it's that you go out and watch the movies and make up your own mind you don't have to like them but we're just trying to give you reasons why you should at least give them a go because there's some hidden gems that being said we did just spoil everything we did do that enjoy Okay, so thank you very much for listening to this episode of Another Happy Pod. Uh, We've enjoyed discussing about the Birds of Prey. We're trying to stick to a rough upload schedule of Sundays and Wednesdays just to kick it off. Uh, It will eventually go down to one a week, uh, but in the beginning we wanted to give you a little bit more uh, in the week just so... I don't know. Just, I don't, just go and like us or something. Go and subscribe wherever. We are now on YouTube. Uh, I'm heavily behind in the upload schedule, but you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify... 
uh, YouTube. We're also on Google uh, Podcasts now. I didn't realise that was a service that existed. Oh, are we? We are, yeah. We're also oh, on Anchor uh, and some other bizarre radio. Wherever wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us, all right? If you get them from an old man on a USB file in the park while uh, Clocks by Coldplay plays, then there you go. <laughs> then, that's, you can... then that's where you can find them, from an old man at the park. <laughs> There you go. He'll he'll have the sauce. Oh, we're also we're also on Twitter now. Um, at another happy pod. If you want to uh, give us a follow, give us a message. Let us know what, if anything, you want to talk about next. Uh, we're also on TikTok as well. No, we're not doing <laughs> and, this. We're um, not doing this, Nathan. We're not no, doing this. We're we're absolutely on TikTok at another happy pod. We're not on TikTok. Uh, Lawrence has Lawrence has not embraced TikTok yet, but I have. I'm fully on board. Catch me on there doing the WAP dance. So <laughs> shut up. <laughs> right, I'm going to end go. this before we get too far down this rabbit hole. Right, thank you very much for listening. We will catch you on Wednesday. Another happy pod. Another happy pod. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.